Okay. Open your Bibles up to John chapter 1, verses 40 through 42. A lot of familiar faces. Uh, I think most of you are last night. Hey, guys. Same pew, same row. Remember you last night? No Bible, though, tonight. Warned you about that last night, didn't I? Just teasing. Teasing about that. If you don't, do, you guys, do you guys have Bibles? If you don't, Larry Sheets, pastor of Yorktown, he buys teens Bibles who don't have them. You can get with him after the service. Tell him I said that. And get you one. Great guy. John chapter 1. It's great to be here with you this evening. Um, let's open in prayer. Lord Jesus, we love you with all our heart. Father, to say that I'm forgiven because you were forsaken and that you, my King, would give up your life, give up your... You give up more than I ever know, that I could ever know that you've given for me. It's so backwards in our society that it's hard for us to understand even what we're singing. We are not worthy to stand before you here this evening. But Father, unworthy, we stand before You as Your children. It has to be taught to You from Your Word. And I trust, Father, that You're going to change our hearts tonight. Open our eyes to the Word. Capture our attention. And let this place, Father, be used by You. This is Your deal, Your show. We love You in Your name. Amen. Uh, John chapter 1. Uh, we looked at last night, John chapter 1, verses 35 through 39, of course, and we looked at what it means to be a follower. We looked at uh, kind of like the little intimate details of what it means to follow Jesus Christ. And, uh, of course, that was a great, uh, uh, great opening uh, for our uh, Zone Youth Revival. And uh, what, what is so interesting, now what we're going to talk about tonight is uh, relatively new to me. Uh, it's really changed me, and um, I'm trusting that it's going to change you. I want to talk to you tonight about ver- uh, chapter 1, verses 40 through 42 of the book of John. And this is how it reads. Andrew, Simon Peter's brother, was one of the two who had heard what John had said and would follow Jesus. The first thing Andrew did was to find his brother Simon and tell him, we have found the Messiah, that is the Christ. And he brought him to Jesus. Jesus looked at him and said, you are Simon, son of John. You will be called Cephas, which when translated is Peter. That's an amazing little section there. Of course, uh, this section spills out of the previous section because, of course, Andrew was one of the, two first, uh, the first two disciples who were called, correct? It was Andrew and... John, come on, you guys are, you sound tired. It's Saturday night. This is a teenager night. Come on. It's Andrew and... No, and, well, the previous section, the two who followed Jesus were Andrew and John. Peter will be following Jesus, you're correct. But it's Andrew and John. Uh, and of course, they were the disciples uh, that were uh, disciples of John, and now they be, have begun to follow Jesus Christ, and they, have, uh, and they are following Jesus. Now, interesting, we looked throughout uh, the gospel last night and kind of uh, narrowed down, kind of looked at how Jesus pinpointed what it means to be a follower. It was great, wasn't it? On uh, how it's more than just a, hear this, it's more than just a physical following, and you guys know this. You know, sometimes we adults take you teens to be so shallow and so kind of ignorant of spiritual things. And that's wrong. You know, I don't think you're ignorant. I, do you understand that it's more to, there's more to walking with Jesus Christ than showing up to church on Sunday? 
crying out loud. You know that. You're not that shallow. I mean, is there more to being married than just wearing a gold ring? I hope not. Whoop, I guess take it off. I'm not married anymore, right? Uh, there's more to being married than just uh, standing before a preacher and saying something to your wife and, hey, I promise and I'm going to be good to you. No, you are, you are saying that before God. Uh, there, there's so much more going on there in marriage and in, and in terms of uh, going out with someone. Well, it's, it's very similar to that in terms of your relationship with Jesus Christ. In fact, to Jesus Christ, you are His bride. Did you know that? Really? Does that mean you've got to wear a gold ring? No. I don't think so. No, it's more than just a physical following. It's a spiritual following. He is teaching you. He's walking with and he is he is the one who's demonstrating to you what it means to follow him. Tomorrow night, and of course we looked at this at the Harris Chapel Revival, uh what would be a couple months ago, I think, or it was only when was it? July? Yeah, the Vacation Bible School. We looked at this here. We're going to look at this tomorrow night with all of you uh, and look at John chapter 1, verses 31 through 34. Uh, but the whole focus of that section is what John talks about in all of his gospel. Get this. Now, his disciples begin to follow him. And last night, we only looked up to chapter 6. But if you go on past, or, uh, past chapter 6, you find that Jesus begins to tell his disciples stuff like in chapter 14, the same thing that I am doing, these miracles that I have been doing, you're going to do the same things. And of course they go. And he says, you're going to do greater things than I've been doing because I'm going to the Father. And Jesus begins to say, he says stuff like, hey, my teaching's not my own. It comes from the one who sent me. That there's something else going on inside of Jesus than just a physical Jesus. You know, one of the biggest problems that I see that from our parents' generations, and of course this is a non-condescending way or anything like that, but maybe same thing that you get confused on is that it was never a super Jesus, a superman, all-powerful Jesus who walked around the face of the earth 2,000 years ago. as a flesh-and-bone Jesus Christ. Normal, average, everyday guy. In fact, if I'd have been in uh, Jesus, he was no different than me. In fact, I could beat him in basketball. Did you know that? He was a Jew. He was a short fella. I'd have knocked him on the ground. I'd have dunked on him. <laughs> Get up. <laughs> no. Because no. he was a man. And he was God. But he was a man. He was 100% flesh and bone human being. When you smacked him in the mouth, he would have bled. He bled on the cross. He probably got the flu once. If they had the flu back then. He probably got sick. Had a runny nose. Had a stopped up nose. Probably several of them. He was not superhuman. Tell me something. Did Jesus ever make a mistake in his life? Of course he did. You think when Jesus was born, do you think he was born potty trained? If he wasn't born potty trained, then you know that he... Is that a mistake? I guarantee it is, because if you're still doing that, you're living in mistakes, I'm telling you. Not a normal thing. Mom should have corrected you of that a long time ago. Jesus was not perfect. Never sinned, but he wasn't perfect. Because being sin and being perfect is two different things. I want to talk to you about that tomorrow. But tonight, what I want to talk to you about is something we call, now hear me on this, this is something for you teenagers. This is not for the older folks. Uh, this is not for those who once they get done uh, you know, being rowdy in their younger days and they start uh, getting locked down. No, this is, for, this is something for you and it's called holiness. It's called God living and acting within me. It's called Jeremiah never living out of his own resource, but Jeremiah living out of a resource that's way beyond himself. 
It's God literally makes His home inside of me as He did Jesus. And this is what I want to talk to you about. It's actually in, this, it's actually in chapter 1, verses 40-42, and it's a story of two brothers. The story of Andrew and Peter. Now, you have this in every family. You guys know Larry Sheets, the pastor of Yorktown? He has a couple different brothers. In every, every family, you have a series of kids. Maybe not a series. I mean, John had a few brothers. He had two kids. And, but you have sometimes in families, you have children that are born, drink from the same milk jug, same gene pool these things were yanked out of, kids. And yet they're night and day. You know what I watched this afternoon? Forgive me. The Lion King. Isn't that a killer movie? I dig the night. My favorite part in Lion King is where the, uh, where was it? It's Whoopi Goldberg and those, the, the hyenas. And they're saying, ooh, Mufasa. I shiver every time I say Mufasa. He said to me again. He goes, Mufasa. He goes, whoo. <laughs> That's the funniest part of the whole movie. Uh, but of course, two brothers are born. Two brothers are born. The first brother, his name is Mufasa, older brother. The next brother, his name Scar. There's a good brother and the bad brother. There is Jacob and... You don't know that? Did someone say Andrew? No, no, no. Jacob and... It is, there is Cain and... Same gene pool, same parents, same milk jug. They had them back then. Drank from the same wineskin, if you want to go that way. I mean, and they're, and they're absolutely different. Happened in my family. Absolutely different. There's the good and the... I'll let you figure out how that one on your own. But There's good and bad in the same family. Now hear this. This is hysterical because this was Andrew. You hear me on this? This was Andrew and Peter. Now who was Andrew? Andrew, before he was a disciple of Jesus, was a disciple of... John. John, John the Baptist. Now hear this. Do you know who John the Baptist was? John the Baptist was the greatest prophet of his day. He was the greatest prophet of the Old Testament hour. In fact, did you know that Jesus at one time said John the Baptist is the greatest born among women? It's a compliment. I mean, the greatest that, that, that man can produce, John was it. No one greater than John. His whole life was a, a demonstration. And his preaching was, whew, he was anointed, born with the Holy Spirit. Born! Born anointed with the Holy Spirit. That's an incredible, it's an incredible feat. God did in the life of a man named John, except Jesus said, He in the least of the kingdom of heaven is greater than Him. Did you know that you guys know that when you give your life to... Hear me on this. Did you guys know that when you give your life to Jesus Christ, you are least in the... Well, no. You're in the kingdom of heaven. And that somehow you're greater than that of John the Baptist. You're greater than John could ever be. John was the greatest among women and his preaching was... Wow. It was a phenomenal... He's probably an evangelist, of course. But, uh, I mean, he was out to pray. And thousands upon thousands upon thousands of people were coming out to hear him. And, of course, even the, the enemies of the Jews, they were coming out to hear John. Now, Andrew was his disciple. Because Andrew was the... I like this. He was the first disciple of Jesus. He was the good kid. In fact, when uh, Andrew, at, at the family reunions, when uh, Andrew and Peter's mother came into town, and they said, hey, how's your boys? Oh, he's great. Did you hear he's uh, following John the Baptist now? Yeah, he's the most likely to see there. Of course, uh, John and him work together really intimately. And uh, just a great kid. Have you seen the latest picture of him? Pulls out the wallet and 
It's Andrew, 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 Andrew. This is Andrew here at a valedictorian of his high of his preschool. Of course, he was a valedictorian preschool. And in uh, uh, second grade, you know, memorizing all the and uh, the law. And he's, he's he got all these pictures. Of course, you flip it over in the very back of the uh, the very bottom, underneath the driver's license was Peter. How's Peter? Oh, he's okay. <laughs> because it was Andrew and Peter. Peter was a schmuck. Okay. Can we call him schmuck? Is that okay? Don't offend anybody here. Peter's a schmuck. He's a loser. Hello. Peter never did it right. He did everything wrong. Two brothers, Andrew and Peter. Now hear this. What is so cool is, is that John sees Jesus walking by and he says, Behold the Lamb of God. And of course, Andrew and John do what? They follow Jesus. And they come up to Jesus. Now this is very significant. They come up to Jesus and they do not address him, address him as Messiah. They address him as teacher. This is what the text says in John chapter 1, verse 37. When the two disciples heard him say this, they followed Jesus. Verse 38. Turning around, Jesus asked, Hey, why are you stalking me? And they said, Rabbi which means teacher. Where are you saying, hey, we want to be your student. Teach, we want to follow. As we were a disciple of John, we want to be a disciple of you. Hey, teacher. Jesus says, all right, come on. You're going to see what it means to be a disciple. They begin to follow Jesus. Now listen, Andrew is so excited that he runs to tell his brother. Now I wonder. I know how it is in most families. Andrew runs up to Peter and he comes up to him and, how are you doing, Peter? Get a good catch today? No? Well, you're not living, right? God probably didn't. Well, guess what? We uh, found the Messiah. I'm following him, of course. Left John. Moved up a little bit up there on the corporate ladder. Me and John. We found the Messiah. Now listen to this. When he tells Peter this, he does not come up and say, listen, we want to take you to him. We found the teacher. Because this is Peter. You see, Jesus to Andrew was teacher. To Peter, he was Messiah. Because if anybody can save Peter, it's got to be the Messiah. I mean, Peter, you've got to know that Peter heard John preaching. Peter heard all the things that John was talking about. Peter heard, I mean, Peter knew of the great multiple... But Peter wasn't out there getting baptized. Peter wasn't out there flocking after. That was the good brother. And of course, Andrew comes up and says, Peter, we found the Messiah. He didn't say we found the teacher because, well, you couldn't be a student. I mean, you're Peter, huh? Andrew. Peter, Andrew. <laughs> and you couldn't follow Jesus. I mean, he's teaching. We found the Messiah. And he takes him, grabs him by the collar, and he runs him up and shows him, to, we, presents him to Jesus. And the most amazing thing happens is that Jesus looks at Peter and says, Oh, you are Simon, son of Jonah. You will be called Peter. And of course, all along, I've been saying Peter when his real name is Simon. But he looks at him and says, You are Simon, son of Jonah. You will be called Peter. And Andrew goes, Peter? The rock? I mean, he runs up to Jesus and says, The Messiah, not teacher. The Messiah. Get him, Jesus. I mean, Peter was bad. I mean, he had never measured. He never if anybody can, it's got to be them. John couldn't do it. Mom couldn't do it. I couldn't do it. I tried. If anybody can, he runs. He's got a hope. Peter, finally, he's got hope. Bad guy. I mean, he's a, a flake, a schmuck. If anybody can get to him, it's got to be the Messiah, the coming King of Israel. And he brings him to Jesus, and Jesus goes, Oh, Simon, you're going to be called Peter the Rock. 
Peter goes, the ro- why can't I be the rock? <laughs> I mean, I was a follower of, of John. You see my resume? He, don't even ha- he can't even make a resume. He can't even type. I mean, I'm, I'm Andrew. How come I can't be the rock? He says stuff like to Peter later on, you're the rock in which I'm going to build my church. He looks at Peter and goes, you are the rock. And of course, Andrew's going, whoa, 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 whoa. No, no, no. See, this is Simon, not Peter. Simon, Andrew. I could be the rock. I mean, Andrew had it all together. Andrew did everything right. Andrew was the good. Peter was the... And yet Jesus looks at him and goes, you're going to be called Peter, which is rock. You're going to be... And on this rock, I'm going to build my... I mean, you're the... And of course, Andrew and John, they, of course, John knew Andrew, and John's going, I mean, I, Jesus obviously doesn't know Peter. Do you know how in one of the other Gospels that uh, they picture the calling of Peter? Listen to this. It happens to be in Luke chapter 5, and I'll read it to you. It says like this, Luke chapter 5, verse 1, One day as Jesus was standing by the lake of Gennesaret, with the people crowding around him and listening to the word of God, he saw at the water's edge two boats left there by the fishermen who were washing their nets. He got into one of the boats, the one belonging to Simon, and asked him to put out a little from the shore. Then he sat down and taught the people from the boat. When he had finished speaking, he said, Simon, put out into deep water. Let down your nets for a catch. Verse 5 says, Simon answered, Master, we worked hard all night, haven't caught a thing. But because you say so, I'll let down my nets. Now hear this. Verse 6 says, When they had done so, they caught such a large number of fish that their nets began to break. So they signaled for their partners in the other boats to come and help them. And they came and filled both boats so full that the, people be- or that the boats began to sink. Listen to this, verse 8. When Simon Peter saw this, he fell at, his, at, fell at Jesus' knees and said, Go away from me, Lord, I am a sinful man. He says, go away, I'm a sinful man. Go away from me. You don't want to be in my... This is Peter. This is the Messiah. You guys, this is the... How do I say this to you? I want to, I'm, I'm a CEO of a company. Chief Executive Officer. Okay, I want to go and start up a company. And of course, I want to start up a computer corporation. You know where I'm going to go get my people from? Ivy Tech, maybe, I don't know. Uh, great commercials. I'm not a CEO, I wouldn't know. But okay, let's say I'm going to go to Ivy Tech. Uh, I wouldn't go to, like, you know, out there on a farm somewhere and find Biff. Hey! Starting to compete, want to be my accountant? No! <laughs> no, Biff. <laughs> Sorry. Go to Ivy Tech first, or graduate college first, or graduate high school first. No! I mean, this is Jesus! Of course, I mean, Andrew and John, I mean, they were great disciples of John, okay? Andrew and John, the gospel writer of John, they were, I mean, they were, they were good. They weren't bad. And they weren't, because they were good doesn't mean they were bad. They were good disciples of John. Hey, they were paying, they were seeking. But the deal is, is that when they followed Jesus, they go get Peter. Peter wasn't seeking. Peter didn't have it all together. Peter didn't measure up. Peter was a loot. Peter couldn't even make it in his own town. 
Peter couldn't make it in his own trade. Peter couldn't make it in his own family. How the God, Jesus is going to build his church on Peter? The sinful. Something's wrong. Now hear me on this. Stop talking. Listen to it. What happens is, is that they begin their ministry and Jesus begins to call disciples. Now hear this. Of course, Peter's like, that's right, I'm the rock. It's not because nothing sinks in. I mean, I'm not. I'm the rock. <laughs> Can you see this? I'd be hysterical. I'm, okay, I'll give you, I, I was the, the no good in my, the milk jug deal. I was him. My other, they were good. Mom's here, she can tell you. Good, bad, I was bad. This is how it happens. And uh, I know what would have happened. That if a uh, principal would have showed up to my house and said, Rhonda, we really want to thank you for your kid coming to, co- coming to high school. <laughs> and he said, thank you, Jeremiah. <laughs> first of all, they would have said, did, you pay, did Jeremiah pay you to come and say that? That would be the first thing. But I would have said, that's right, jerk, Tamara. <laughs> I mean... Hey, can you see this? This is almost hysterical. Andrew brings Peter. Come on, Peter. Get him. And he goes, rock. And Peter's like... (laughs) And all throughout the ministry, Peter is the rock. Do you notice that all throughout the ministry of Jesus, that Peter... See, Peter was a loud mouth. Do you have any loud mouth? Whoa. Yeah, I can tell that section over there. You're always talking. I understand that part. But you see, there's this... Peter was a loud mouth. Peter was a, a running, and he was always speaking. He was the one that was so-called in charge of all the guy because every time they'd say, hey, I'm the rock. Don't you forget that. I'm the... I mean, I'm the, I'm the rock. That's what he said. Well, you begin the ministry of Jesus, and you begin to watch how he's training his disciples. Some of you, this is going to be the best news you've ever heard. You begin to follow the ministry of Jesus, and I just wrote down a few of these. And the first time, you begin to see a bunch of things that Peter does. Uh, you begin to see how Jesus... Uh, uh, the thing is, is, Peter makes it well known, the type of guy that he is. One of the first, um, one of the first examples of this, of course, is the feeding of the 5,000. And Jesus has this great miracle. You guys know this. Uh, and of course, uh, uh, they want to force Jesus to be king. He tells the disciples, get in the boat, go out. Jesus walks out on water. Now hear this. Jesus walks out on water and he's walking up to the boat. And of course, they're like, oh, it's a ghost. And, of course, Jesus says, don't be afraid. It's I am, which, you know, it's a biblical thing. It's another sermon. But he says, it's me. And Peter goes, no, it's not. That's not you. If it's really you, tell me to come up there. And his disciples are like, what are you doing, you idiot? Shut up. This is, that's not you. If it's you, tell me to come out there with you. And the disciples are going. And Peter gets out of the boat. He's like, I'm drowning. <laughs> and Jesus comes and says, Peter, why'd you doubt you? And he helps him in the boat, and all the other disciples are going, what a loser. He didn't walk on water. Hello. He's a fisherman. He should have... (laughs) Right? But Peter, if it's really... First example. And you see this consistently throughout the ministry of Jesus. I wrote down a few of these. The most hysterical reference, it happens one after another. Now hear this. This happens to me. I'm kind of klutzy. Probably wouldn't know that. But um, it comes in waves. And to the extent where if I knock something over in the kitchen, my wife says, sit down. Right where you're at. Don't move. Just don't move. Uh, this, this is typical of people. Okay? Not people, but people. Not the good people, but the bad people. Typical. 
What's going on here? It's in Jesus' ministry. Matthew records this. And of course, it's Jesus predicts His death. He's got His disciples. He's begun the intimate training in chapter 12. (laughs) This is so funny. It says in chapter uh, 16, verse 21, From that time on, Jesus began to explain to His disciples that He must go to Jerusalem, suffer many things. He's talking about the cross. Now, hear this. Now, you hear, this is hysterical. I can't, you're gonna, this is going to blow your mind. Jesus has got this intimate teaching training time. He's teaching his disciples about the cross. Right in the middle of this, what, is it, what does Matthew say? Peter stood up, took him aside, and began to rebuke him. Obviously, you didn't catch that. There's this intimate training time with his disciples. And Peter stands up and says, no, 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 no. Come here, son. J- Jesus, c- come here. Brings him over the side, puts his arm and says, hey, look, this is not how it's going to... And of course, all the other disciples are going, idiot, loser. You don't understand that? The, uh, what's Monday, when you go to class and you're in U.S. history and they're teaching, stand up and say, no, 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 no. <laughs> now, Mr. Truax, is he still there, Mr. Truax? Yeah. Yeah. Mr. Mr. Truax, son, come here. Hey, grab him by the ear, pull him over to the side and say, look, I've been looking at the syllabus. This is, this is not how it's going to happen. What do you think he's going to say? This, here, this is the Messiah. And of course, the disciples are going, an idiot. He's a loser. And Andrew's going, I told you so. I grew up with him. I lived in the same house with him. And he's Peter. He's a, but no, he's the rock. I mean, it's this type of, and Peter is pulling Jesus aside. Now, what does Jesus say to Peter? It says, Jesus turned and said to Peter, get thee behind me, Satan. That's not a compliment, you see. In fact, that's the worst thing you could ever, ever be called in, in Jesus. Satan? Satan's the whole reason Jesus is here. And he looks at Peter and says, Get behind me, Satan! I mean, Peter, ah, ah, Jesus. Here, have your, have your knife back. I mean, it's a... I mean, Satan, I'm the, I'm the rock, remember? I'm, immediately after this, what happens? It's the transfiguration. Jesus is frustrated. He takes Peter... James and John, up on this mountain. I mean, it's a little uh, intense, uh, intense uh, personal discipleship. The others ain't got it together, but these three, whew, help them. And so he takes them up, and there's going to be this great transfiguration where who's going to come down? Moses and Elijah, which is a symbol that Jesus was the fulfillment of the law and the prophets, and he's there. This is hysterical. I like the way Luke says it best. Uh, it's this intense training. Hey, I mean, he's doing this for Peter's benefit. The guy is just, I mean... Jesus is constantly just happening to get on him. And of course, they're on the Mount of Transfiguration. And it says uh, they were there. And of course, they came down. They were transfigured. As the men were leaving leaving Jesus, Peter said to uh, them, Master, this is great. This is Jeremiah translation. Master, it is good for us to be here. Hey, let us put up three shelters. One for you, one for Moses, one for Elijah. Hey, we can have a little cookout. We can roast some marshmallows. We can have some uh, hot dogs and wheat. We can tell some stories around the camp. We could... In fact, it's so absurd that Luke adds in here, he did not know what he was saying. He's running off at the mouth. And of course, Peter and John are going, or uh, James and John are going, Peter, what are you doing? <laughs> Shut up. And Peter's like, this is great. Hey, don't leave. Come on back. Hey, I can set you up, build you a little place to live. We can have a campfire. Great camp. S'mores. You like s'mores? <laughs> and of course... And and Luke adds, he didn't know what he was saying. Peter never knows what he's saying. But what the most funny thing is, is you look at the next little verse and it says, while he was still speaking. In other words, 
he was interrupted. While he was speaking, a cloud appeared and enveloped them, and they were afraid, so they, uh, they were afraid as they entered the crowd. And a voice came from a cloud saying, This is my son whom I have chosen. Listen to him. God interrupts Peter and says, Peter, shut up! <laughs> shut up, Peter! This is my son. Listen to him. Shut your mouth, you schmuck. I mean, there's this great transfiguration. I mean, it's wow. And it's his teaching time. And Peter's like, whoa. And he's running. And God himself. <laughs> I don't know if you get this. It's bad. It's very bad. <laughs> to be rebuked by God himself. Speaks out. Interrupts Peter and says, Peter, please shut your mouth. This is my son. With him I'm well pleased. You I'm not so sure about. Listen to him. L- listen. Stop. Listen. And of course, they're coming down the mountain and Peter's probably like, do you hear God speak to me? <laughs> of course, uh, James and John are like, you idiot, he yelled at you. He rebuked you. Yeah, but he didn't rebuke you though, did he? <laughs> yeah, we had a little conversation up there. You guys should have seen it. It's pretty me and God just hammering it out. He's a loser. And he didn't catch on. He never caught on because immediately after this section... Matthew writes that they go into this town and there's a demon-possessed boy. Well, the guy, the gentleman, runs up to Jesus and he says, Lord, have mercy on my son. He's demon-possessed. I brought him to your disciples, but they couldn't heal him. Which means Peter came down and says, "Uh, there's a problem in here. I'm the rock. I'll take care of it. Just had to talk with God upstairs. What do you need? Uh, Demon-possessed boy, bring him here. Come on. And it's all this. And of course, he never came out. And of course, the father's like, who's this idiot? And he, you know, there's Jesus. And he runs to Jesus and he goes, listen, some disciples over there, is he your disciple? Really? Is he yours? You got him falling through? He, he's, he couldn't do it. And Jesus walks up to the scene and he says, oh, unbelieving and perverse generation, how long shall I put up with you? How long shall I stay with you? Bring him here. Peter's like, what? I tried. This is his whole entire life. And of course, this, you guys, this wasn't just or, or. This was the mainstream of old Peter. Uh, a couple more. This is, he's sitting there and it's, a, it's the intimate teaching with Jesus. And of course, it's the Last Supper and he gets down to wash their feet. And he's washing all the disciples' feet. And one of them complains. Who is it? Peter. You're not going to wash my feet. Peter says, it's been three years, Peter. He says, I've got to wash your feet. You're not washing my feet. I've got to wash your feet or you can't be with me. Well, then give me a bath. <laughs> I'm not giving you a bath, Peter. I just want to wash your feet. <laughs> and he washes his feet. And then, of course, he stands up and he's talking. He says, tonight you're all going to betray me. <laughs> who says no? Peter. Oh, I won't. <laughs> and all the disciples are like, who is it? Lose it. Get rid of him. Replacement. Vote. Democracy? Oh, kingship thing. That's right. We're not the United States. Uh, get rid of him. <laughs> And of course, Jesus says, Peter, you're gonna, you can't follow me. I can too. You cannot, can too, cannot, cannot. And he says, I'll, I'll lay down my life for you. And Peter, Jesus is like, no, you will not. In fact, before the rooster crows, you're going to deny me three times. He's like, no, I will not. You can't make me. <laughs> and of course, what happens is they go to pray in the garden, and Peter says, I'll go with you, Jesus. And James and John's tag along, and Jesus is praying, and, and Peter's up there, and... Jesus comes out, wake up! Oh, yeah, I was awake. I was awake. Really, I was awake. Meditating. <laughs> Falls asleep twice. All the guards show up, startle Peter. The first thing he does is grab his sword, wax off an ear. And, of course, uh, 
Jesus runs up, grabs the ear, pastes it back on, and says, Peter, stop! <laughs> and all the other disciples run except for... Falls him into town, denies him three times. And he is as low as you can possibly get. Of course, Jesus raises from the grave. He reinstates Peter. He gets on the mountain, tells him to go to Galilee, and he says, listen, here's what I want you to do. I want you to go to Jerusalem and stay there until you receive the promise of the Father. Now, Peter, did you hear what I said? Go to, write this down, go, go to, go, 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 Peter, go to Galilee. Go, ga, ga, no, 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 Jerusalem. Sorry. Go to Jerusalem. Jerusalem till you promise. You guys, make sure, tie him up, throw him in the corner. Make sure he does not leave. You know what I found so absolutely interesting? Peter was a schmuck. In the schmuckiest of ways. You can't get more, you can't get any more worse than Peter. I mean, no offense, made it to heaven, of course, but he's schmuck, loser, hello. I mean, just, and he's the head of the, you come into the book of Acts, and do you know what you find? The day of Pentecost comes, and the Holy Spirit, get this, the Holy Spirit comes and lands on them at tongues of fire. And do you know who stands up and preaches? Probably the greatest sermon ever recorded in our, in our, in our, in our text, in our Bible. Who preaches that sermon? Peter does. And 5,000. And it's... Of course, don't take my word for me for it. You see it in Acts. Look, turn to your Bibles. Acts chapter 1. It says, uh, The Holy Spirit comes at Pentecost, which is Acts chapter 2. And the Holy Spirit comes. And Peter, the next section in chapter 2, verse 14, reads, Peter addresses the crowd. And of course you flip on and you, and you we read all that, but we won't. And you look at the next section and it says, Peter does what? Loud. Peter heals a crippled beggar. Peter does what? Peter heals a crippled beggar. He walks up to the gates. He says, hey, a silver or gold I do not have, but in the name of... And, he, and the guy stands up and he can walk. And you look at the next section and it says, Peter speaks to the onlookers. You look at the next session, and it's Peter addressing the Sanhedrin there with John. And of course, the next section in chapter 4, verse 23, it's the believer's prayer. And it's talking about the, and the next section is the believer's possession. In other words, a, a following, a, listen to this, a following has established that there's a church beginning. It's a New Testament church in Acts. It's those disciples of Jesus. It's the converts of the church who happen to be made by Peter. And of course, you look over in chapter 5, and there's a conflict in the church. Who do you think handles that conflict with Ananias and Sapphira? Peter. Uh, and of course, you go through chapter 5, uh, and you look down, and it says at uh, verse 12, the title there says, The Apostles Heal Many. And you go down to verse 15, and it says, uh, After the Apostles Have Healed Many, As a result, people brought the sick into the streets and laid them on beds and mats so that at least Peter's shadow at least Peter's shadow might fall on some of them as he passed by. And of course, apostle, uh, the, Peter, uh, the apostles are persecuted. And who gets thrown in jail? Peter. And of course, they go out and there's that whole, wide, that whole thing with Stephen. And you see the whole book of Acts uh, spilling out. And of course, uh, Peter and John, he's the head of the Gentile church. Eyes up here. What happened to Peter? 
All throughout the three, ministry, the, the, the three years of ministry of Jesus, he was a loser. King of losers. What happened to, Je what happened to Peter at Pentecost? He was baptized in the Holy Spirit. Would you guys believe me if I told you that I'm a Peter? I'm Simon, man. You don't believe me, do you? Did you know this is my hometown? Did you know that if you went to Wapahani and asked anybody if they knew Jeremiah Bullock and told him he was a preacher today, you know what they would do after they woke up from being passed out? <laughs> They would say, he's doing it for money. I'm a Simon. I'm a Simon. I broke my hand. No, not a football. Canoeing. <laughs> you say, how do you break your hand at canoeing? I can. I can't measure up. Hear this. I, can't, I couldn't measure up. I couldn't pull off high school. I couldn't pull off relationships. I couldn't pull off the Marine Corps. I never did measure up. How in the world could I pull off Christianity? Tell me. How in the world could I pull off my walk? How could, I, how could I pull off the Christian life? I can't. I can't pull that off. But that's not what Christianity is about. It's not about doing the best you can. It's about Him coming down, living inside of you, and doing something through you that you can never do. Peter did, Jesus did not come to Peter and knock out his dents, knock out his fingers. Peter did not improve throughout Jesus' ministry. Peter was a schmuck until the day he died and ceased to live out of himself, ceased to live in, out of the resource provided by Peter, but he lived out of the resource provided by God. Peter was the rock. You know that's synonymous, synonymous with that Jesus said, on my rock I'll build my church, which is the word of God? Jesus did build His church on the Word of God. Well, I thought He brought it on Peter. Oh yeah, He did. Because the Word of God became... Peter became the Word of God. The Word of God came down inside of Peter and made His... It was a... deal. One of the biggest problems I've seen... Man, this is such good news for you. Our churches are filled with these people that live these lives that go... Why? Because they're trying to themselves. He can't do that. I'm going to tell you. I will tell you. You cannot pull off Christianity. You cannot do it. You know what Paul says? You can, he calls it living in the flesh. He cannot do that. Chapter, in chapter 7 of Romans, he goes on this whole big spiel of how, hey, what I want to do, I cannot do. And what I, I try to do it, and what I don't want to do, that I do. And it's this whole big, who's going to save me from this body of death? Praise God to Jesus Christ our Lord. And then the next section is, guess what? Life by the Spirit. And if you live life by the Spirit, you will not gratify the desires of the sinful. What if I told you that you were a schmuck? Every last one in here. Just like me. I'm called to be an evangelist. You know that? I am continually amazed I get a chance to preach in front of thousands of people. I'm preaching NYC. Well, one of these days. Since I keep begging them to let me one of these years. but <laughs> I am preaching at Original Celebrate Life. Do you know who's going to be there? Guys like Rick Rigsby. 
You know how intimidated I get even standing up in front of people like you? I don't have that talent. I don't have that dynamic stuff. I don't have the gifts that Mark Lowry has. I got this book. That's all I've got. You take away this book and I haven't got anything to say. People say, well, you make a great public speaker. No! No, 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 no. You don't understand. You don't understand. I don't speak. He speaks. I don't perform. He moves. I don't, uh, I don't do. He does. Everything that's going on in my life is not what... It's what He is doing. I didn't really shape up. I didn't get my act together. You got to understand that one... You know, you know John Wesley is? John Wesley said, one moment without Jesus and I am a devil again. Because you don't shape up. Well, I'm going to try to get... I'm going to try to do better. Don't do better. You're not going to be able to die. Drop dead. Isn't that an awesome motto? If I were to, if I were to take a pastor at first Sunday, I would get up and say, I want you all to drop dead. <laughs> Board members first. <laughs> because it does not depend. You, you can't pull this one off, man. You can. That's why we have that at the center of our ministry. That's why we have that cross right there as the center of our... Because what does that stand for? Death to... What does Paul say? I have been with Christ. And I no longer live, but... Let me ask you something. Teenagers, some of you are going to get this. What if I told you that the Christian life was simply every time He speaks, you respond? That you don't have to worry about measuring up. You don't have to worry about pulling anything off. You can be the biggest schmuck there ever was. And He can come down and win a world. He built His church on Peter. He just didn't make him one of the one of a, a preacher. He built his church. And it was a testament. It was a testimony to all the others. I don't need. What if what if Jesus didn't need your talent? I'm going to be doing a revival in Yorktown. And I'm going to preach some of the same messages that I'm doing here over there. And I bet you I hear stuff like, well, Jeremiah, I witnessed, but I just I don't have that ability. You know what that tells me? They don't have a clue. I don't want to offend them. Wake up! I don't want your abilities. If I ever take a church, okay, we want a worship leader. Who's most qualified? Okay, sit down. We don't want you. Who doesn't? Who can't carry a note in the place? <laughs> Get on up here. We want you. Who cannot teach? Who can teach? All right, you sit down. Because it's not dependent upon. I can't. Do you get this? you want this? You can have Him. You can live victoriously. You don't have to have talent. You don't have to have... You can have it all messed up. Your life can be... You don't have to get fixed up first. You can come down and lay and say, Jesus, man, I'm so lost. I'm so lost. How in the world could you use me? When I was called to ministry, I was, I'm 6'4", about 200 pounds. When I was called to ministry in 1995, I was 6'4", and weighed a little over 130 pounds. And I was homeless in California. And I was a drug addict and alcoholic. And he called me to preach. And I said, what? I wasn't even at church. I was in my car on the way back from the beach. I didn't have a home. And I said, preach? I finished 87 out of 91 in my high school class. The other guys are my best friends. 
guys right below me. You think I'm kidding. They were. They were my best friends. We all hung out together. How, how could I graduate from college? How could I get my master? How, how could I? You want that? You want to be used in your church? You want your youth group to grow? Let me be really pointed with you. If your youth group's not growing, it's because you're not letting Jesus to use you. You're not allowing Jesus to use you. I believe with all my heart that you have to fight not to be a Christian. I fought Him for 20, 22 years of my life. I love you, Jesus. Jesus, this is the greatest message I've ever found in Your Word. I'm a Simon. Oh, Jesus, I'm a Simon. Would You do something in me tonight, God? Would You let us understand that it's not about performance? Oh, God, that we can't, we can't reproduce what Your Son produced, God. Wouldn't it be something that if the life of Jesus was not resourced, that Jesus didn't do anything, but that He just allowed you to do? Oh God, open this generation's eyes. I'm so in over my head. I don't know the first thing about being a minister, a pastor, an evangelist. I'm just nuts about you. I'm bananas about you, Jesus. Would you teach this generation? I don't know if other generations are. Would you teach this upcoming generation that it's a revival can happen in their lives, that it's so, but it's so separate from a from a week or a set of dates. It doesn't happen in churches. And man, it it happens, Father, in their lives when they allow you to reign. When they allow you to come and work the way you want to work. Heads are bowed and eyes are closed. If you, don't, if you don't want this, do not come down. Don't come down. I'm telling you. I don't want you to come down. If you're going to come down and, and kind of sit at the altar and pray around your friends, in fact, I, if you come down, I don't want anybody else to come with you. If you're not coming down for yourself, don't come down. But if God has spoken to you tonight, the wonderful thing about Christianity is there is no disclaimers. Jesus will save His people from their sins. He will not save them in their sins. Uh, He will not uh, fix them up. He will save them. He will make you holy. And it is nothing that you can do. You cannot produce that. You can't pull that off. What I'm talking about this evening, what I'm talking about tonight, is about you coming down to an altar of prayer and saying, Jesus, have at me talking about you coming down to an altar of prayer and saying, Jesus, I want that like I want air. I'm sick of not measuring up. I'm sick of the roller coaster rides. I'm sick of being unproductive. I'm sick of not being used. I'm sick of all that is entailed with, I want you. I'm sick of struggling with, I want you. I'm sick of falling over the same temptation. I want to respond to you all day long. I want my life to revolve around what you're doing. Jesus, I want you to make me into a Peter. I want you to put your rock inside of me. I want you to build your church in me. That's what I'm talking about. It's not a mad rush to the altar. This is a decision. 
This is not just a decision for teens. This is us adults. How do I preach this, adults? How does a 27-year-old kid come into a church without sounding condescending and saying, stop doing? How do I tell someone who's been in the church for 40 years that's lived their Christian life by producing it themselves, how do I come up to him and say, hey, die, stop, quit, and somehow allow him to do it? How do I tell them that? How do I tell them that? Lord Jesus, we need you tonight. I'm not settling for anything else than less than you. I gotta have you. I believe in holiness. Holiness is in Jesus Christ, you making your home within me. You knock on the door of my heart and you come in and you live, and it's not metaphor. You do. You're in me. And I'm a new creation. At the old Jeremiah, he's so dead. And I am a living, actioning, functioning tool of you. I want to be that tool. And Jesus, I can't, I'm not a tool that activates myself. I'm a tool that is used by you. I respond to you. Push me tonight, Jesus. Speak to me tonight, Jesus. Have at me tonight, Jesus. Speak to our hearts tonight, Jesus. Open the eyes of this generation. They got to see. Heads are bowed and eyes are closed. And I don't want to pressure you. But if you're sitting there struggling with the same things, don't hang, don't hold up your church attendance to me. I don't care about that. You can come to church all your life and never get it. Don't hold up your tithes to me or how much you've given the church. I don't want to hear about that. Jesus doesn't care about that. In fact, He boldly says, many on that day are going to say, Lord, Lord, hey, I went to church, I paid my tithe, I taught Sunday school, I... And unless He's lived inside of you and poured Himself through you, He's going to say, depart from me. I don't know you. Folks, when I get to heaven, I'm going to say, what's going on, Jesus? If He speaks to you, respond. Respond.